always get um i don't always get the earl gray like i'm trying to branch out a little bit more um i've been getting a lot of taro bubble tea lately which is taro yeah what's what's that taste like um, I, what is taro again i've heard of it but i forget what it is it's like a, it's adjacent to a root vegetable the closest thing that i could say would be like how like sweet potato can be used as a pie and as a dessert right. okay so like in that realm basically hmm it's right. i'm guessing the comparison is in that sense and not necessarily in terms of taste but yeah not in taste um like it is like a root, but it's still like I don't, I don't know if it's a tuber like other stuff, but I mean like I, I, get, I get you. It's in that root vegetable family. Yeah, and it's it's sweet and it's yeah. <laughs> you branched out from the Earl Grey family to the root vegetable to the root family. family. <laughs> root vegetable family, our royal root vegetables. It, it definitely uh, looks like a pretty good fruit. Or what, it, you, is it a fruit or vegetable? Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, it seems like a root. It's definitely not a fruit. It's definitely not a fruit. Fruits no. don't grow on the ground like that. No, no. Yeah, um, fruits grow from like seed and stuff, don't they? Yeah, I well, think yeah, whatever I think, in yeah. fruit or Herb. potato type of family. A, a fruit is like. The... <laughs> <laughs> if I remember correctly, a fruit is technically the female genitalia of basically any plant. That's like what is like what fruits from the plant, basically. So it's something that like grows off of another plant and like hangs off of it, basically. That's generally what defines a fruit, which is why tomatoes are technically a fruit. Okay. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Why wouldn't that mean anything? So, but why would vegetables then not be like that because like if you take like a pepper it grows the same way a tomato does like off of like yep. no you're 100 percent right it, it's like the the where the difference really lies is like you have like um like carrots and and potatoes and stuff that grow like in the ground okay. and things that don't grow in that same fashion but we have like i don't know some things are just still considered vegetables even though they're technically like quote unquote like fruiting bodies from plants and technically uh -huh. would be considered fruit I like, I'm just, look, I'm just bringing up fun facts for me. I'm just like, I'm just trying to be like a, a very momentary, um, oh, fuck, why can't I think of his name? Uh, Bill Nye, the science guy. Uh, okay. <laughs> took me a second to get that. Um, can't believe you're not a botanist. This is blowing my mind. <laughs> can't believe, wow. <laughs> who who would have thought, eh? <laughs> the software developer from fucking Ontario wasn't a botanist. He's a software developer by day, but a botanist by night. I yeah, watch out, Joker. <laughs> now, no, fly. I need you to understand that when I'm talking about tending to the herb, that's not. I don't mean botany. <laughs> <laughs> I liked. Uh, I liked that that laugh sounded kind of reluctant. Like you really didn't want to give me that one, but you like you had to admit it was pretty good. That's how I act when I'm like around zoo. <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's it, it is a very sundere kind of friendship like you don't want to admit that you find his his bullshit really hilarious but like you are absolutely hands down the biggest instigator of it well that's exactly that's my problem like i definitely instigate it but i don't want to encourage it at the same time but i also 
Why? What? One and he's what? not going to this episode. Well, one thing that I do notice is uh, most of the Discord messages that are like gold from him do come in response to stuff that you say, Fly. He does it. <laughs> yeah. Instinctive. <laughs> Sometimes it's, not, sometimes it's not even on purpose. I'm just saying something innocent, and then he's just like, it's pun time. Well, I was just going to say, because it's right there for him. It was like, how could he not take it? Well, who was it that posted that game the other day that's just about, like, making puns off words, and Zoo's <laughs> literal response was, this is just a normal conversation. This isn't a game. <laughs> that that one and then and then it, it was followed so yeah so dingo had posted a link to that game i think right. it's called and it's just about making puns and then and then zoo's like okay so a normal conversation and then it was followed by like five messages of me typing no in all caps <laughs> yeah, it's that <laughs> that is a normal conversation for you a machine that just takes in information and then transforms it into puns <laughs> and outputs that back to everybody. <laughs> Most people do do not do this. But <laughs> it, it is funny and we do appreciate it. Zoom. Oh yeah, of course um, we appreciate it. That's why we um, keep yeah. giving him perfect setups. Okay, Balcony good. banter, it's about yeah I'm just I'm trying to I'm trying to like that's the thing like i get we get going with the cold opens and then i realize we hit a point usually a bit too late that like oh yeah we probably should have wrapped this up a little bit sooner and, and gotten into the actual intro and then i have to like try to like find a space and then i always fuck it up like two or three times before we get there it's all this this is the tradition people know what to expect it's balcony banter episode 60 oh yeah and How's we're here. I, I was gonna actually say okay now get through the finish let's finish this cold open get through the intro because i want to talk about turning red all right yeah well we got fly here this week it wasn't obvious i'm big b <laughs> and i'm bees and yes uh fly and i have seen turning red bees has not unfortunately uh but that is okay we will try to not spoil anything for you my man oh i uh, that is perfectly fine um it does look like a really interesting movie. Uh, I, I did see the trailer uh, a little bit ago. Uh, I know I told you I was watching it before, but I, I couldn't remember what the uh, title was. But it does look like uh, quite the interesting movie. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you know where it's set? Like, do you know what the setting of the movie is? Um, not. Well, I, well okay, sorry. Uh, I know it's a... Uh, Based off a old, oh, how do I say this without? It's just based. <laughs> is it Chinese or Japanese culture? Or? It's it Chinese is. culture. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yes, it's based off Chinese culture. Uh, yes, the Red Panda. Everyone, everyone loves the Red Panda. It's, it's okay. It's Toronto, man. It's set in downtown Toronto. Damn. <laughs> now i'm racist now i'm gonna no, get canceled. you're not no it's okay no no oh, i know i know i'm just messing with you like you you probably didn't catch in the trailer but they do show like very prominently the cn tower oh do they <laughs> yeah. uh, not to not to try to make you look bad but it, it, it is there though so, to be fair i don't think i caught it the first time i saw it either so it's it's, it's oh yeah there it is opening shot 
There it is. Like, Bees was already on the ground struggling to figure out what culture it was. And then we started kicking him, saying it's Toronto. And then, <laughs> and then throwing salt in his eyes, saying the CN Tower was <laughs> You fool, yeah, how could you no, not have seen this? It, it, it was kind of some fuckery. No, it's okay, Bees. We're no, just, we're just busting your balls. But it, oh, I know. <laughs> we, we just, I, I'll say, though, I really liked that aspect of it. Like, I thought that was really cool. Uh, seeing like a, a Pixar animated movie that was all just like because there were parts where it really did feel like Toronto absolutely like a lot of movies you know every movie is saturated in New York or LA or any other like major you know American city nothing ever happens if there ever is anything in like Canada, it's like briefly in Ottawa, and then people are yelling in French, and then that, <laughs> right? Yeah. Which, well, I, well, I guess I was gonna say it's pretty stupid, but I guess Ottawa's not that far off from Quebec. But I mean, it's not like there's, yeah. Anyways, you're you're right though. Uh, but it is so refreshing and so fun to see a whole movie in Toronto. It did feel very authentically Toronto. It didn't yeah. just. It didn't feel like just some like execs came to Toronto, took some pictures, and left. Oh, like yeah. it actually felt like it was created by people who have lived in Toronto. This was made by locals. Yeah, well, because yeah. I remember when, like, last time we took a trip down, because we ran around Chinatown in Toronto mm -hmm. last time we were there, and I remember that fairly clearly, like what that area was like, and kind of, I know it's it's still. I mean, it was a while ago, but it, it's still like the most fresh part of like Toronto that's in my mind as far as like areas of it. I guess other than maybe like Donbass, Donbass Square and stuff like that, because I've been there a few times. But um, like when she's first running down the street in that area, like it, I don't know, there's something about it that like, yeah, no, that that looks kind of like it did then. Like it's obviously a little bit more stylized, but like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's it felt it felt pretty accurate. Yeah, the other thing that was really accurate, and it was something that, like, because I watched the movie earlier tonight with um, Invisibo, my brother, and my mom, and something that we were all really taken surprise by is that all the other background characters were speaking in Cantonese, which is so unexpected because there is a lot of Cantonese in Toronto but a lot of mean like Hollywood movies have if there's a Chinese character they're speaking in Mandarin um and for it's a lot of complicated reasons a lot of it would be in Mandarin which I won't get into it was just very refreshing and surprising and almost relieving to hear people speaking in Cantonese because that's what people speak in Toronto that that is really cool actually that's a that's a detail i would not have caught so that's actually really cool to hear yeah that's definitely like a detail like yeah if you're from toronto you would definitely pick up on and appreciate for sure for sure well, i was really I do, I do want to clarify because the reason that i said was surprised that like i wouldn't have caught that wasn't because i haven't lived in toronto it's because i don't speak either mandarin or cantonese <laughs> What are you talking about? You're not fluent what? in multiple languages? <laughs> different Chinese dialects? What are you talking about? Yeah. Most people in Canada, there's a lot... Oh, sorry. 
Oh, never mind. I'm just shitposting it. All, well, all I was going to say is there's a lot of people in Canada who can speak both the French and English, and I can't even speak the French part. I only know the English part. I thought you were going to oh, say Oh, yeah, I'm in the same boat. English well. Like, there's plenty of Canadians who are literally bilingual because of that, and I don't even have that. <laughs> so I don't know where you got this impression from. I just like the... I just... I thought you were going to say, I can barely speak English to begin with. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I guess if you are okay, bees with us spoiling stuff, because oh, yeah, there, there's one element of the movie, like, towards the end. I, I won't get to it right yet. Well, we'll work our way there. But I, I kind of really want to talk about it, because I really loved it. And... uh well, it just relates to that whole like ending, uh, like climax scene, basically, yeah. which is was really good. A lot of this movie, I will say, was really good. I actually was pretty impressed with it. Do you want to like start from the beginning of the movie and just sort of like sequentially make our way through? Or yeah, I didn't even get five minutes into the movie, and we had a cameo from the TTC, so that was pretty great. Only <laughs> get a cameo. It's not a person. Oh, the CU Tower made a cameo. Of course, of course, it, is. it rolls through a few times. You got the the whole the um the trolley tram and everything that goes by. Refers to a person. Never mind. Never it's, mind. it's fun. You, um, if, I will... if the Star Wars movies taught me anything, vehicles can definitely have cameos. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I'll, I will say within the first 30 seconds of the movie, my brother and I were just like heavily sweating where because it opens with the main character, May, saying, you know, you got parents, you have to owe them everything. They did they they birthed you, they feed you, they put a roof over your head. So it's the least you can do to make sure you take care of them. Actually and my, Yeah, sorry, no go on. When that was happening, like my brother and I were like actively sweating out loud. <laughs> okay. I here's the thing. I sorry, I had a thought as you were saying that, and I, I had almost like jumped into it uh, way too soon, but because here's the thing, like when I was watching this, I was really interested to hear your thoughts in particular because like, well, this was a very interesting movie for me and I really enjoyed it and it was really, really good. I also was really interested to hear your thoughts because for you, this is like a very, a much more relatable perspective than it would be for me, obviously. So yeah. but the thing that I'm also realizing and, and remembering with this now is you watched it with your mom and that also like because of the story that also I would imagine have a lot of relatability for her as well and the fact that you watched it together is especially interesting on top of that so I'm very intrigued about this, this viewing experience now it was rough but also good. <laughs> in a way, I'll say I'm not surprised just because I remember when I first showed you the very first episode of Kim's Convenience, you were like, no, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> or what or was it fresh off the boat? No, oh, it was Kim's, you're right. But yeah, it was the I like this movie was great. But it was definitely, like, I think I would have liked it a little bit more if I had not watched it with my mom. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's definitely fair. Wow. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, so, Bees, um, 
to just give you some contextual information, this movie is canonically confirmed to be just straight up about puberty. Um, okay. uh, b- turning into the so May turns into a big giant red panda when she's overly excited or just emotional. So whether it's anger, happy, excitement, sadness, she turn if it's too strong, she turns into the red panda. Okay. And the uh, uh, director has said it's just a metaphor for puberty, um, but there's a lot of different like things going on in the movie. Uh, so there is the puberty aspect, but then there's the, you know, and, you know, all the growing pains that come with it, but also uh, a lot of cultural stuff for just like um, how it feels to be not not ne- they don't necessarily lean into it so much that it's like weird to be different uh because you're a, not white they definitely didn't do that which i was actually very thankful for because it it was toronto like a lot of schools are like you get people from all backgrounds um but a lot of it was like how it is to be uh needing to be a very perfect kid for your parents and needing to live up to certain expectations with your parents. Um, and there was really heavy like uh, themes about mother-daughter relationships in this movie as well. So that's a bit of like contextual stuff for what the movie was trying to talk about. Okay, yeah, that's that's really cool to hear, actually. That uh, gives some really good in-depth, actually. Yeah, I... a little bit of Finding Nemo, a little bit of Luca's story kind of mixed in. Okay, yeah, I can definitely I, I see would... why that would yeah. be so popular then. I would say, because, yeah, like, first, just, yeah, the the point you make in terms of, like, how, like, I would even say just in general, like, how they represented Toronto, they really showed, like, how diverse a city it is. Like, there were a lot of characters who, like, yeah, plenty of white people that you'd see around. There were also a lot of characters who were not white, and they just, it, yeah, like, I don't know, it, it felt very true to that, like, the whole, like, the security guard who comes over and is, like, constantly, like, harassing the mom to, like, leave the school because she's, like, always fucking, like, spying on her daughter. Uh, and, like, like just very casually, like, you know, he's he's obviously, like, a like an East Indian man. He has, like, a, the um, the turban and everything on and stuff with his uniform. But they don't make any kind of deal about it. It's just that's, that's just yeah. too easy. And that, that, I like that that was a very frequent thing in the whole... Th- course of the movie like i don't know it, it was just nice that it was just yeah these are just who these people are and it, i don't know it felt natural to what i have experienced of the city so exactly like just the fact that the school's uh security guard was just he was just seek and that's it there was no yeah. like he wasn't even like oh hey there's our like uh, our uh our security guard and then just some very very stereotypical name he's just some random background character who shows up and you don't even hear him talk he was just there to try and get the mom off of the premises because she was technically yeah. something. Um, yeah. was the, one of the girls that uh, the gang runs into in the bathroom, uh, you might not have noticed this, but she just casually had a diabetic patch on her arm. Which oh, really? Huh. Literally, literally never seen that in any media, like any children's media before. That is pretty cool. I remember there... Well, I mean, they're, I mean, Priya, too, even, like, one of the main mm-hmm. girls, too, like, they, you know, there's that, you also have, like, um, I think there was, I'm pretty sure there was, like, one student who just, like, very casually just had a hijab on, and they didn't really make any deal about that either, which was nice. Exactly. Um, think, they're but, yeah. The of, they're just part of the fabric of the back, which would be so natural for, like, a diversity, like, 
like Toronto and it's just so like it's so annoying where you have cities or um, any sort of show or movie set in a city like New York or LA and like everyone in front and back of the camera like in the background or everyone's white and it's kind of annoying (laughs) so I really liked this movie for just having like a normal backdrop for once no for sure and the other thing I was going to get to too because you compared the panda to puberty and I don't disagree and that that definitely is a big facet of it but I think it's also even just like I think the way that May describes it at the end of the movie and that being kind of that like that messier part, the part that's a more flustered, more kind of out of control, more of and as obviously as part of the metaphor, more like an animal like it's I could kind of I could kind of see some of the plot coming with it because that's the only thing I will say is that they were Mm -hmm. they were definitely kind of predictable because they were not overly subtle about the metaphor but i'm okay with it because of how well executed it was for sure because like i definitely picked up where it was going and where the movie was basically going to end off when the mother was like oh yeah like you have to keep that part of you like hidden away like we can't like let this get out and stuff and like Mm -hmm. oh yeah like i have like mine trapped my panda spirit like trapped away in this little thing here and i'm like oh yeah she has her emotions all bottled up and then that's going to become a problem later and mm-hmm. she's going to basically, you know, overcome that by basically learning emotional control. Because they basically almost kind of telegraph it with the character of Sun Yi that they introduce as, you know, basically the the family ancestor who yeah. uh, was the descendant of all of this, right? So it, I, I could kind of see that coming, but also, like, I don't know, they they did a really good job with it, though, nonetheless. Like, when, I don't know, they, when all the emotional moments really hit, it it, it hit good. Like, it, 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 I was fully invested. 100 percent oh uh just bees for con- context um yeah. later in the, movie, the parents ex- like everybody finds out that she can turn into the red panda um so it, it just become it's not just something that's in her head everybody can see it uh so it's a tangible thing and her parents had explained you know oh like we're so sorry we thought we had more time before we had to tell you about it and the uh, the family takes care of a temple in Toronto that is uh, that worships uh, an uh, an ancestor who was uh, who drew power from red pandas. And then after May turns into a red panda for the first time, the parents explain, "Oh, like our legend is literal. She literally turned into a red panda, our ancestor." Um, so because like um she need the ancestor needed a way to protect herself and her daughters um and so the gods granted her the power to turn into a giant red panda and it got passed down through the families except obviously in modern day no one needs that power anymore um so the family has a ritual to uh seal away the red panda like spirit basically that's in them so that they can no longer uh go hulk out whenever they have strong emotions um and it's just like sealed away and like big b said it's like a, a like it's a metaphor of like letting loose basically okay yeah and and it's quite literally bottled up during the rit- ritual and it's this like familial expectation like because all the women in the family have to do it like all the aunties and the grandma come in to toronto to help with it and it's like this expectation that you you can't be 
a problem child. You can't bring attention to yourself. You have to bottle up the red panda and just carry yourself as normal as possible. So, um, like, not everything is directly puberty-related. Like, obviously, like, a lot of the scenes in the bathroom and stuff were, like, okay, like, it's clearly a metaphor for, like, getting your period for the first time or whatever, but there's a lot of other stuff there as well. Like, oh, yeah. Like, with needing to let yourself loose or, you know, just not having to be perfect all the time, so. Oh, absolutely. And, like, that's the thing, because I, I only really highlight that, too, because, like, I just, I really found, like, it was just very beautifully represented and just, like, especially at, towards the end, too, where it's, like, very clear, like, oh, yeah, she's going, like, as much, because, like, I don't want it to sound like a, a takeaway in that I, I, I voiced it as being predictable, because, like, it kind of was for me, but just because I could kind of expect where it was going in that way, I guess. And it is a children's movie. I can sort of forgive some, you know, like mm -hmm. maybe lack of subtlety, I guess. But like, I, I really don't mind because like, again, it just, it was so beautifully represented in how like, I don't know. Cause like, I, I've seen this sort of perspective to some degree before, like from Kim's convenience and stuff in terms of this like familial dynamic and this sort of exploration of these themes. Cause I can kind of understand it, but I like that this, like with Kim's, like it's it's not black and white, like a lot of much lesser media would treat something like this. It's very, like, because a lot of lesser media would treat it very much like the parents are the problem, like, because yeah. they're, they're you know, stifling their kids and everything. But that's that's not really how they represent it. But at the end of the day, like, there's still an aspect where they address, like, you know, like the way that you know some of the older generations dealt with their emotional problems by bottling everything up and trying to push forward well it was done with the best intentions still maybe didn't have the best results but it doesn't ignore you know like it doesn't ignore the, how important the relationship with that fam like with your family still is in that respect and how important that is like especially and not to get like right to the end of it but like when may is basically like you know she's like well no like i'm gonna stay behind they're going to keep my panda but like i don't want that to hurt my relationship with you like that was that was something like that was really yeah. beautiful. damn yeah that probably like really struck a note with a it lot of people because really normally these stories are like you you have to pick one or the other and this movie is saying like why not both why can't you be yourself and still have a good relationship with your family and it's like damn damn this like this is hitting close to home here. Yeah. <laughs> it is great. Uh, um, now, okay, go on. Well, I just wanted to follow up on something you had said about how, like, there's so much about, like, expectations from older generations and that, like, the things that they did and then the things that our parents' generation did isn't necessarily always, like, it's, it was for the best intentions, but of course it comes out sometimes with not so great consequences. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the story bees did focus on, like, you know, the mother-daughter relationships. Um, they touched upon the grandmother's relationship with the mother and a huge fight that they had gone into which of course was over the the husband and my mom my mom kind of laughed really hard at that part and she's like of course they fought over the husband not being good yeah. enough for her. I'm like uh, <laughs> uh. That's, 
that's really that's really great though actually that actually really elevates that for me in a certain way just because i don't know it feels like it lends a certain authenticity to it that's really funny actually sure does. and then the final bit of authenticity that i i was really looking forward to sharing was so uh bees there's a scene in the movie where um may kind of develops a crush on a guy from a local convenience store and she draws like you know just like cute little doodles in oh, her them, like you know, <laughs> hugging and kissing and stuff like that and it's all like very like shoujo manga style where there's lots of hearts and sparkles and stuff and her oh, mom so the notebook, right so mom finds the notebook and all of these drawings and she's like huh and she totally overreacts and she thinks that her daughter is like dating some like 40 year old scumbag from the convenience store and she's <laughs> like a 17 year old right and okay she, yeah and in the scene she drives may to the convenience store to confront the guy and it's so embarrassing oh and, god yeah and my mom shared a story how when she was a teenager she went out for coffee one time with a guy and it wasn't even meant to be a date it was more just to like hang out but when the guy dropped her off back at the apartment my grandmother was apparently waiting in the lobby for my mom to get she like chewed out the guy and was like my my daughter's not looking for a boyfriend right now don't you ever take her out for coffee ever again and my mom just had to like ride the elevator back up and it was like the elevator scene from evangelion oh, <laughs> oh my man. god holy shit wow <laughs> so if you if anybody is like yeah that convenience store scene was so unrealistic parents aren't act aren't like that my mom went through that with <laughs> Okay, I have three things. Okay. <laughs> one, that, one, that Evangelion comparison really fucking sent me. Because <laughs> that <laughs> was really fucking... Wow. That that conveyed that perfectly for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I knew it would. It's because it's the most uncomfortable scene in the series. Oh my god, yeah. No, for real. If you don't know the scene, Bees, it's basically the characters of... I mean, this isn't going to mean much to you, but just like two female characters, Ray and Asuka, are, like, going up in an elevator, and it's super quiet and uncomfortable, because there's a lot of, like, tension between them in the scene, because, like, they're, they're not necessarily seeing eye-to-eye -eye at this moment, I, I guess, for, for just put it simply. They hate and, each other when they're in an elevator. Yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, Asuka moves to slap Ray, and Ray just, like, catches her hand, and they have this, like, stare down for a moment. Like, that, that's more or less the scene, but, like, the, the tension is is there. Hideaki man, he fucking slaps. <laughs> Anyways, more on that in a moment. Because uh, I do have a thread I want to go down on this, which is real. I love. It's so good. Uh, but the other thing I was going to say was, yeah, that scene, that whole sequence, I, like, it, it would made me physically uncomfortable. Yep. Uh, just, and like, because, I, I don't know, it's just, it's, I, I don't do well with cringy scenes like that, because, I don't know, like, I empathize, I don't know, I, I can just put myself in other people's shoes very effectively to a point where it's very detrimental in situations like that because then I am basically feeling all of the social anxiety this other person is experiencing. And it's just, it was, that whole scene was brutal. 
yeah. hilarious though, but also just absolutely brutal. As oh. soon as she, as soon as she like caught her, I'm like, oh yeah, no, I can already see where this is going, and it kept escalating. Like I thought it was gonna go like, okay, yeah, we're gonna have like this whole like deal, and then it kept going like a little further, and I'm like, oh god, I'm like, oh this is like, oh boy. Um, and that's yeah. a, and actually for context for you bees, that's actually what triggers her like initial transformation into the panda, like pushes her over the edge. <laughs> okay. Um, um, well, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say I quickly like looked up that Evangelion scene and like <laughs> skimmed skim through it to like get some context. And oh my word, the fact that your mother essentially went through like even something remotely similar to this oh i God. i pity that woman oh um, my that damn my, my mom grew up in a very different time so i do have a lot of like as i've gotten older i do have a lot more understanding for her because <laughs> yeah, it was a different time um and plus i also have to like thank my parents for like being as like relaxed as they were um, like, cause like one of the biggest things in this movie is that her mom says you're not allowed to go to the BTS concert because you're going to get too excited and turn into a red panda in the middle of the concert, right? The B- Excuse me. It's, it's four town. I believe, you know, what? No, I, I'm just, I'm teasing you. I did, I did like the BTS. <laughs> well, my mom called them BTS. <laughs> I, I mean, she's in a way she's not wrong bts really is the evolution of what that was exactly all right one direction so one direction came to toronto in the movie right and all of like may and her friends want to go and her mom's like no you'll get way too excited and then turn into a red panda in the middle of the concert then what and i have to and like my mom turned to me and she's like i took you to concerts i'm like yeah i know i know (laughs) mom she just like really took it as a moment for her to be like really like I'm a good mom. I took her to the conference. I drove her to conventions, which she is. So that that is that is really good. And you know what? I <laughs> that you know your mom completely deserves that. That's great. Yeah, she does. <laughs> that's uh, that's really adorable. <laughs> what was the third thing you were gonna say? Oh, the, third, the third Beast? thing was I thought Beast had something. Oh no, uh, I just had that Evangelion thing seeing. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, no, all I was going to say was, yeah, the part where she's under the bed with the drawings is probably the most relatable part for me because shit like that was how my parents found out I was bi, so. Oh, okay. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, I, the, that was the one part of, of anything else in this movie that I could get with. Also, like, I don't understand the... Because that was the thing I heard most on my Twitter timeline was people bitching, apparently, about how, like, people didn't believe that, like, a 13-year-old girl would be drawing fan fiction. I know. Who the fuck are these people? Like, what I the know. fuck? 13-year-old girls were doing that before I was even 13. What the yeah. fuck are you yeah, on? like, were you not 13 once? Like, what? exactly like the fact that like because i i told my brother about that how some how people out there are like 13 year olds don't write fan fiction and he whipped his head over to me it was act it was it was it was cartoonish how fast my brother (laughs) was like what are you talking about that's all 13 year olds do as you describe that i can perfectly picture (laughs) i can perfectly imagine the scenario (laughs) 
<laughs> your brother gets really incredulous at something he's really funny <laughs> no, incredulous is the word he really reacts that way he's like what the fuck <laughs> yeah <laughs> like oh and yeah no just like Every 13-year-old girl, like, and especially because this movie takes place in 2002, right? So, like, this is the age when, like, like our age would have been that. Like, not to out our ages, but, like, we're in that sort of demographic where we would have been roughly around that age at that time, right? And, like... I like I'm not gonna go into details, but I definitely wrote fan fictions when I was 13, right? Like it's hey. just a part yeah. of like I don't know, like with that amount of media that was out there, like it's just a part of growing up. So I don't want details. I definitely, definitely don't want details. <laughs> but I, I I do I I am the one aspect I am curious to know is what characters. <laughs> Oh, the Bigby, we're gonna be here all evening. Like, oh god! <laughs> oh no! Are you oh, watching me? Like you eat even top it, okay, top five. Let's let's any series. Oh god, <laughs> dear lord! Um, we're not going down this rabbit hole. No, that's probably for the best. Um, speaking <laughs> speaking of, well, I don't know. We mentioned anime at some point. Evangelion that came up. I'll use that as my, that's my segue. I'll pull that out. Because, uh, okay, like, here's the thing. And this is part of oh, another aspect I really, really loved of this movie. The anime influence is off the goddamn charts. It's insane. And, and no, like, I need to draw, like, because it's wild to me. Because th this is the whole thing, right? Because I, I like to read, I, I go on like Wikipedia binges, right? Like I start just like clicking through shit and I, I read about shit and I, I find all these like fun facts and I, I enjoy it because I like finding all this neat information. Like one thing I found recently, and I'm just throwing this out there. This has nothing to do with the movie, but it does have to do with Hideaki Yano, So I can use that because we did bring up Evangelion. So that's the crutch I'm going to use to throw this fact out because I don't really have anything else to stand it on otherwise. Uh, but... I learned actually recently, uh, just as an example of, of these facts, that he had actually uh, got his start working with Hayao Miyazaki, actually. Huh. Oh, really? His first major gig was actually, he had responded to a magazine ad because they were short on animators for Nausicaa, The Valley of the Wind. He went down, showed Miyazaki his portfolio, and Miyazaki actually ended up putting him on, like, basically animating some of, like, the most complex scenes towards the end of the movie. And apparently actually had a very high opinion of his work. Wow. That that's is, insane. Yeah, that is a very uh, nice thing to have, like, under your belt. I read that, and I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> this is fucking, this is some shit. And the thing, too, like, one of his frequent collaborators, especially now, like, the guy he co-directed Shin Godzilla with, Shin Higuchi, he worked as, well, for one, he directed, like, there's basically three Gamera films from the 90s that were, like, really well known in, like, the tokusatsu scene. He directed those. I never knew that. I knew he worked as a writer on Evangelion, which is really funny because he wrote as a writer. <laughs> he was a writer for Evangelion, and Hideaki Yano, of course, was directing that. And now with Shin Ultraman coming out, Hideaki Yano is writing that and Shin Higuchi is directing it. But I also learned Shin Higuchi apparently was a storyboard artist for Kill a Kill. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. I like, it's just, yeah. 
shit like that. Like, I just love going down rabbit holes and finding out all these weird fun facts about these like, like different creators and stuff that I like. So the thing is, the whole manga scene in Japan was for a long time back in like the 50s and 60s, really heavily influenced by the works of Osamu Tezuka who was, of course, the creator of Astro Boy and a, like a fuckload of other things. Kimba the White Lion's another one that a lot of people claim, uh, like Walt Disney, like plagiarized, but that uh, wasn't really quite the case. Um, but that whole deal there. But the thing is, Tezuka, with his manga works, because he was like a big part of like the like really big artist in the scene, a big influencer and a big part of where uh, kind of like starting a lot of that modern stuff and like really like his works and how like, some of that even too like led to like what was like referred to back then as like Gekiga, which became like the more like mature side of like the manga scene and stuff like that. And anyways, that that was a whole other bit of history there. But he was really, really heavily influenced by the works of Walt Disney and his animations and stuff. And that was a huge influence for him in his comics, which is really, really interesting to me because basically you had this huge Western animator in Disney who heavily influenced one of the biggest manga creators of all time in Japanese history. And that became a huge influence on the rest of the manga and anime industry. And then now today, the anime industry has become such a huge influence that that has now reverberated back to not just like a Western animated produced thing. Because I mean, that's that's happened tons of times now, but to like a Disney released like Pixar animated film that is now heavily influenced by Japanese anime. And that to me is like a really interesting like it's all kind of come full circle in a crazy way. That, <clears throat> yep. Um, it is very interesting, like how how uh, insane the culture has shifted from like, yeah, anime is like just not really that popular over here in the West. It like had a bad stigmatism even for the longest time, and now it's influencing major media. Like, yeah, like you said, this uh, Pixar movie which is a, pr a pretty big thing. Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely insane. Like there are so many different, uh, just like in the movie itself, there are lots of different anime uh, influences and it is just so fun watching it, even just for like little things like that and just seeing the styles. I, I just love it. I, honest to God, would not mind, like, a TV series centered around May as, like, basically a shonen hero using her panda powers to, like... <laughs> like, it, it almost, like, felt like a big, long, like, first episode special to, like, a shonen series where, like, now she has her abilities, now she's gonna go fight crime with her panda powers. <laughs> Maybe not crime, but, like, you get what I mean. Like, it, it almost, like, you could almost see that from how they set it up and, like... Even the whole final confrontation with her mother, which I, I guess we should maybe explain and build that up, because mm -hmm. basically towards the end of the movie, they try to they set up this whole ritual that they're going to try to perform to seal her panda away, and she basically rejects it. And this is the whole like breaking the cycle of like bottling up emotions across generations. She's like, "No, I'm keeping my panda. I'm going to go do what I want to do." And so she runs off with her panda powers and stuff still intact to go to the Four Town concert or. Uh, BTS or One Direct, whatever. <laughs> and basically, her mother is like really, really mad, which is not helped by the fact that her grandmother, like, well, her mother, May's grandmother, is just like basically laying into her for it and almost like blaming her for running away, which doesn't help the situation. Her like pendant that traps her panda breaks, which 
I really, really loved how <laughs> the dad mentioned she was bigger, and I was expecting like, okay, she's just going to be like an even bigger panda, like you know, bigger, stronger. And I was like, okay, this is gonna be like the the anime thing where like you have like the bigger, stronger version of like the main character, like they have like kind of the similar powers. Now they're gonna have like the face off it. That is almost what that fight scene ends up turning into. But I appreciated they went even like a step further and straight up turned the mother into a panda kaiju. That <laughs> when oh, they awesome. first, oh my god, that's hilarious. Yeah, because like May straight up says, "Dad, I thought you said she was just," or the dad was like, "I told you she was bigger," and May was like, "I didn't know she was this much bigger." Like, and the mom straight up like, on the like cr- like standing just like the silhouette of her coming out from behind a skyscraper. I leaned yeah. her and was like, "That's a category five kaiju." okay that i really appreciate that reference that was fucking choice but no like that moment when because they don't even really reveal it up until then because they they like they already have revealed that she's going to transform and everything and you know you you kind of get the the first sort of hint of that but they don't really let on to her size until like basically then and then you see just this huge hulking like basically silhouette like just like trudge out from around a skyscraper and just these like gleaming red eyes through like the darkness yeah and i was like oh my god i was like this is this is good and the design too was super yeah. good like the way her fur looked and everything it was super cool yeah like uh, the in her hair was wisped in a certain way to mimic her human hairstyle and there was like um slightly darker like black fur around near her eyes that mimicked her eyeliner and it was just like re- like it was still realistic but well, real realistic but you know what i oh, mean yeah. and it still but it, it looked like her and it was just it was just a fun way that like oh like it actually looks like her like you can tell that's the mom so Th- that's uh, what i really love about pixar films is like they're just always top quality like i swear they must like take like 10 or so animators just give them a pile of cocaine and lock them in a room (laughs) the movie's done yeah just take say go to town yeah like Uh, and the the whole like shonen hero thing for me even too like is on another aspect was like when she's running towards like the concert and stuff in that final sequence when she finally kind of like you know accepts the the panda powers and she's gonna go do her thing and she's like basically using it which i laughed really hard because like to me it reminded me a lot when she's doing the like transformation thing to like jump herself into the air and basically like pop herself around like alternating between like her human and panda form that just all i could think about was like the tanuki hat and mario or whatever it was (laughs) and i was like wow she's literally got mario powers now there was one particular shot and it went so quickly where after she did one more jump off of a roof changed back into a human and she had like shed away like the traditional robe that she was wearing for the ritual and it shed away she it just was so like it evoked a feeling of like sailor moon when like when sailor moon would transform right like it was the same type of pose as she jumped from roof to roof and it just it was just so fun to see like it's ah loved it and it was a very beautifully well done shot as well like so much of this movie is just very like just very pretty to look at oh absolutely 
like i mean and so stylized too with like i love the way they render all the different eyes and stuff and like the way that they look like and everything but like even in that like you can see all the anime influence like i don't know there's there's still a bit of that cal art style that you would kind of expect like i i I almost suspect in some way it's partly like i don't know i wouldn't say go so far as saying it's in pixar trying to like maintain like a certain like a consistent aesthetic and trying to like because i i feel in some ways maybe they treat that like a bit of a brand thing but i don't know but like it it could also just be the art style they they wanted to go that like the bean mouth didn't bother me nearly as much the promotional screenshots kind of made me think it was gonna be and because like so many people like we all we've already vented about this in the (laughs) but like the bean mouth is not as egregious as people would think it is and i came into this movie thinking like okay i'm just gonna have to put up with the character design and whatnot like it might be a very visually ugly movie but like it was the complete opposite and i can't for the life of me understand why the promotional team would use literal middle stills in between shots like as the way to promote the movie like those are the ugliest stills that they could have used but in the movie itself they are literally just a single frame of when the character is moving and like the final pose of the actual shot was much nicer than the stills that they used to promote the movie and i don't understand that like the whole point of animation is to have those like shitty blurred between to get from point a to point b after a character is done moving use position a use position b but don't use the transitioning frames in between that look like shit like i don't understand why those are used to promote the film like like there's like straight up on disney that that the the banner photo that they have on the main page for turning red of of the like the four of them posing that was mid transition mid movement it wasn't their final yeah. pose I oh, don't really? understand Jeez. why they would do that I'm yeah I don't know I like I was gonna say because like there was I can't find it now in the Discord but there was a thing that had gotten posted that I think you had shared that was like comparing it to i forget which series it had on there but it was a number of old anime and stuff and like yeah uh, that's more what i would compare the art style to than anything like like i said i think like there's still a little bit of that cal arts influence in there um and i imagine that's just you know partly because it's, it's a pixar movie and I, I can i can live with that but like yeah no the rest of it looked super good and like like going back to that end fight scene like the the whole like i don't know something about the way they shot that like it felt very like an anime fight scene especially like towards the end like that final headbutt that like she gives to her mom basically uh like and especially the shot like as she's like rushing in and how like dynamic that felt i was like oh yeah no like that's and again going to that part where she's jumping across the roofs like it it felt that scene even to me i almost compared to like um into the spider verse when miles like is finally doing the big swinging at the end like that movie like when that scene hit it was really really hype because that's a lot of what that movie was building to but i wouldn't say necessarily has that's quite that same energy here but like in a way it almost did for me to a slight degree that like it felt like oh yeah she's like she's mastered her ability with this now and she's like she's just zooming off to go do her thing and like that was it, it worked very well for the theme of the movie but it also like 
it was again just another thing that was very anime for me exactly like so much of it um like like the the like people say like oh oh it, it looks like hal arts no like it looks like a lot of the anime characters of like the 70s and 80s like look at like how astro boy is drawn look at how every character from dr slump is drawn 100 like, percent toriyama is hell toriyama right like they all look like that with the big bean mouth totoro has a bean mouth oh and yeah that was the other thing i was gonna say this shit like miyazaki as hell like definitely ghibli influenced yes exactly like a lot of like a lot of the pre um criticisms before the movie came out were based on all these very limited screenshots which again i don't know why they would use like transitional screenshots instead of final poses but like anyways it's all of these criticisms come from that and any of the other criticisms are based in like a very like unrealistic notion of like how girls bodies work in puberty oh, 100%. and like the like all of these anime influences are clearly there. Like Cal Arts came from somewhere and it came and a lot of it I'm willing to bet actually did come from early Japanese, like any animes and mangas. And it's just so frustrating. Oh, um, for sure. The one thing I did want to touch upon is the thing that really annoyed me is I saw a lot of people saying like, well, it's it's like girls don't get their periods when they're 13. I'm like, girls can get their periods when they're like 10. Yeah, they, I don't yeah, know what people are talking what? about. I even remember from like when I was growing up, like, I I mean, I think I had heard about like people getting it as early as that. I From what I had heard, that was a lot more uncommon, but I won't say yeah. I know 100% for certain, obviously, but I like... I remember growing up being told like, oh yeah, I could have as early, like, like you said, like 10, like 11 or 12 was usually more what I remember hearing, but like, that's not like a big difference. Like it's, yeah, it's still like, I, I, again, like it's one of those weird takes where like, it just, it's almost just completely detached from reality, which mm. I mean, if you're making that kind of claim, I suppose you would have to be, but yeah. And like uh, what people uh, something that i also like think people don't understand it's like a you can't choose when it starts and b it's act like the earlier you get it it's actually a sign that you are in a healthy body because like the earlier that begins that's it's just it is biologically a sign that your body is growing up healthy so for anybody who experiences a period it has it's not a sign of like of anything bad it's just part of your body growing and like a lot of people saying like oh like they shouldn't have talked about like periods and stuff during the movie like that's something like we should like parents should be talking about their kids in private and it's like oh, fuck off. like the taboo of having a period and it shouldn't be taboo like no, exactly the human population experience it so yeah it's um, not like it's yeah it's not like something you can stop it's something that's exactly. gonna happen regardless and exactly. this is probably one of the best, if not the best, way of like presenting it to kids because like it's it's Pixar. Like kids are obviously going to love it. Uh, like by default, um, and even that's something I really like with the movie too. Because like the movie even kind of addresses that because there's a whole scene where she gets embarrassed at school because of the her mom bringing her the pads, 
and then she yeah. re- transforms into the panda she runs off but then her friends come back to her and basically say like you know what even with like the panda which in this case especially comparing it like you did earlier to puberty which i'll give you it there there definitely is it, it works well in this particular context especially because they're basically like you know even with this change in who you are and in your body like that's not something to be ashamed of we still love you and exactly. like yeah it's man it like yeah no like it, it kind of does try to stand against that in a, in a certain sense and that's that's actually yeah wow what are, like i'm just absolutely like blown away with how like wonderfully real and just reassuring this movie is and like i feel like a lot of kids growing up might feel a little bit better about being themselves watching this movie oh yeah um, and like just something that like really stuck out to me like in in what happens in the movie where the she doesn't know the panda thing is going to happen and the mom is like oh it's like the mom literally says i thought i had more time i thought i would have seen the signs and i would have been able to prepare to teach you about it um in hand hand in hand with like these weird ass parents being like oh you shouldn't be teaching our kids about puberty and periods in a children's film so those going hand in hand my my best friend growing up like like she she grew up in texas right she didn't oh, know yeah. what a period was and when she first got hers she thought she was dying and she had hid it from her mom and like the rest of her family until one day her mom got like like start actually like fucking noticed her and like saw like the laundry and was like oh look you got, that's called a period she's like this is normal like this wow that- yeah and that especially like that's really wild to hear about especially after just having watched this because that that is like literally like her reaction to like yeah she she they find out about her panda situation and her dad is like oh like oh it's, it's happened already right? and she's like what the fuck are you talking about yeah. like how is like this this isn't fucking normal and like yeah. that's exact wow yeah that's crazy it's that's exact like this movie is so weirdly based in reality it's it's so crazy like and it's like fine take it on surface level if you really wanted to and just see it as like a fun kids movie or enjoy it for the metaphors and stories about so many different topics and then you can just be more enriched from that oh absolutely and i think it is i think you're you're missing out if you don't view it from that way but i can at least even appreciate that the movie for me at least in my view would work perfectly fine in both respects yeah. And I, I think that's a very good quality of it, too. Exactly. And finally, you will not be alienated from the story if you are not a young Chinese-Canadian girl. Literally anybody can relate to this movie. You don't have to be a 13-year-old Chinese-Canadian girl to watch this movie. Well, that's right. actually... It's funny you bring that up, because that's actually a great reason uh, why they uh, probably made it into, like, uh, modern Toronto. Uh, with like all these people mixed well, together because like so well, well yeah because uh, like just because yeah it's, it's gonna happen to everybody regardless of who you are so the one thing i'll say to I that is, is the the director actually like is is um like asian canadian or chinese canadian i believe specifically uh just obviously given the the focus of the film um but um 
yeah basically like the part of the whole thing with the movie is like this is very much based in her experiences around this time around like 2002 in toronto like growing up and stuff and with her own family and everything like that, that's a part of why this does have the strong basis in reality it does because it's maybe not necessarily autobiographical but like th there's a lot of elements that she's pulling from like her real like life experiences with this too in terms of um how the story was sort of shaped and everything um one okay one final one well kind of a couple observations but these, these are kind of like my last main things i wanted to throw out there and then the one final one on the whole anime comparison just because i really liked it and i thought it was a it, very fitting for the themes and nature of this and something that i thought was a really interesting comparison that i i had noticed in this because that final almost towards like the very end of the movie when she's like back in the bamboo forest with all the where like the the panda spirits go and everything mm. um and she like encounters her mother but her mother's young and everything and mm. she's like crying and basically realizing that like oh she's there for like very similar like this is back when she first had her panda situation and like an altercation with her own mother and like in a lot of ways very obviously drawing parallels between her and like may going through all of this right and may basically like just kind of like smiling and like you know like it's hey like it's gonna be okay like take my hand and stuff and they walk off and like for one that that scene just was very very beautiful and, and well done oh god it, like extreme, it, especially too when they get back, and then there's all the aunts and and the grandmother there and stuff, and her and her grandmother hug and stuff, and like it's like they have that moment. Like it was very good, and it was very nice. And I even think too, like they don't necessarily treat like how they deal with their emotions in, in an entirely bad light either, because like I liked how like when May was like first going through that portal, like they basically she like she struggled, like she really didn't want to, like she had to fight to get through that. But they they went through it so much more like calmly and peacefully and in a way i think you could see that as just being natural for them but in a certain way too like they they've they found a way to cope and to manage and deal with it in their own way and i like that they the movie kind of acknowledges that as almost in its own way as being valid too right and not being like a, a bad choice and I, I think adds to that but the the big thing for me that i really really liked with that scene is that moment where she basically would like kind of like smiled and like took her mom's hand and like you know like you like come with me like it's going to be okay kind of thing it, like that right there i all i could think of was how much she reminded me of chihiro at the end of spirited away yes oh my god absolutely so oh my god that okay that's what i was thinking <laughs> <laughs> it all makes sense now oh it's all coming together because oh my god okay all right all right yeah it's all coming together for me now because yes because you have because 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 uh, i've already you're, you're it. so because 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 short circuiting no i'm in the part where like my brain is going faster than how my mouth can form words um because spirited away is a movie about puberty and about growing up and you have to hero at the end of spirited away becoming such a much more mature character and being the one to say it's okay you don't have to be scared anymore and have and and it works and yes that's what that reminded me of and that scene was just so powerful because like i don't know if it was really explained to bees but like in when they are it, when the ritual occurs they are essentially 
in a spirit realm where they have to leave behind their panda spirits in like this spirit world and then they basically wake up back in the normal world with or without their panda spirit and in the final scene they like may is in the forest and she turns around and sees a teenage girl who's there and crying and that's her mom as a teenage girl going through all of this difficult um all of this uh trials and tribulations as a teenager for the first time and just the way she's like it's okay mom let's take my hand let's go and then they just walk back to the portal and her like just her finally taking the lead and accepting like like you know her mom went through the same thing she can't hold it against her like oh it's just mwah, beautiful and again i watched this with my mom on the couch <laughs> yeah well and in a way though too it's really great because like because you had kind of talked about like like you you've kind of had like in a certain sense, I guess, like you would kind of mention something to the effect of almost kind of having like a similar revelation that May does. But for you, that was like it maybe in some ways a lot later in life than what it would have been for May experiencing that. And I think it's really interesting that like a children's movie is kind of they're they're exploring the part you would expect a children's movie to explore and the, the whole thing of like, you know, being your own person and, and not necessarily have to live to your parents' expectations. But then to also have that extra step of having that mature reflective sort of reaction to it and looking back and being like, well, what they did wasn't like, like their intentions are still important. And like, you know, mm -hmm. the fact that they also had to deal with their own hardships is like something you have to take into account with that. And like, mm -hmm. you, you can't just look at it as like this, that, like we said earlier, like that black and white kind of stance. And it, it's it like, you know, it's a very mature stance for the movie to take. And it, it's, it's respectable. It's commendable. It, absolutely like and uh, you're so right that this is like something that like it's a story that I'm hearing now in like <laughs> um, mid adulthood I guess I don't know early adulthood versus hearing it at 13 but at the same time I don't think I would have understood the lesson as well if I had watched this when I was 13 I think I would have just if I was 13 I would have just loved it for like the anime references and the cute stuff and the giant panda and mm -hmm. you know it like for me when I watched Finding Nemo as a kid I was just like oh gotta find the little baby fish and as I get older I'm like oh like it's about not being an overbearing parent and trusting your child to know what the right thing is and to trust your child which is such a heavy lesson for mm -hmm. a children's movie or how monsters inc is about capitalism sucks and takes advantage of the bottom line <laughs> like i didn't get these oh. as a kid i only get them now that i'm older and know how to like <laughs> eat food properly and formulate <laughs> right yeah oh that's well, yeah I was gonna say uh, that's a good that's a good point you brought up earlier because like uh, someone said like you could either take the movie at face value or like look deeper into it and for yeah kids like you don't really tend to look deeper into it because you just you don't know about that part of like the adult world exactly what I so what yeah, I would just, say to that yeah sorry go on <laughs> oh no I was gonna say uh, yeah you just the uh, kids will take it at face value and like I would be a kid like just taking that at face value loving it but then rewatching it as an adult and being like oh. This mm -hmm. makes so much more sense now. And like, oh, wow. I, I don't know. I just think it's like cool to have that 
level of like two layerness. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think like, and I think there is some truth to that for sure. Like definitely as a kid, like it's, you maybe don't grasp it in the same way you do as an adult for sure. Especially like the, it's that sort of sense of maturity, right? Like being able to kind of look at that and accept it and really understand it. And a part of that even, I think is just life experience too. And just needing to live long enough to kind of have the kinds of trials that, you know, adults in particular have to deal with that kids like you really don't understand until you're old enough. And I think it's one of those things where like, a lot of teenagers and kids kind of like grown and roll their eyes at the idea when a lot of older people, even our age kind of tell them like, no, you really don't get it. Like you really are still a kid, even though you're like 15, 16, 17. Yeah. Right. Cause when you're that age, like, like may at the beginning, she's like, Oh yeah, I'm 13. I'm officially an adult now. And, yeah. and they, they kind of have the slide joke of like, Oh, according to like the TTC, basically yeah. <laughs> gotta, gotta love that cameo. Gotta shout it out. Um, but yeah. <laughs> but like you know it's definitely not the case and it definitely would be something easier to to grasp and understand then but i i think that like even even the fact that maybe we didn't understand it as well then i would still i still feel like in a certain way the idea and the message and the concepts like it's not that we couldn't understand that it was there we were we were more drawn by some of the other things the 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 magical adventure and everything to it right that the more fantastical elements like i certainly was love monsters and creatures so i always focus more on like oh yeah that monster looks really cool and stuff right like something monsters mm -hmm. inc love the designs of the characters but you know like it's i would like to think though like the lessons and what it was sort of getting across weren't like lost on me. I still understood that. I still gained value from that. And part of why I think that's important to try and recognize even still is that like, you know, and in some ways kind of back to where I kind of mentioned some of the predictability in it, like a kid's not necessarily going to see that predictability, right? Even, even then. So part of that adds to that story, but also like they, they can still kind of unpack and understand some of these ideas a bit more through everything else that's being presented. And I think the point that you made earlier fly about like, you know, basically potentially helping like younger generations and stuff deal with these sorts of things. Like I feel like in, in some way too, like, you know, you may have some younger generations, you know, dealing with similar issues and this could maybe help them. Right. And yeah. that's, I think that's still like really great. And I think the movie works like we said on both ways is just kind of a fun thing, but also this deeper message. But I think I, I would like to think that maybe the, the fun stuff just helps kind of ele elevate and help deliver that message in a more effective way, in a way that maybe can help, you know, help children help, help the kids who watch it kind of um, learn some good lessons and, you know, basically maybe have an easier time dealing with some things. Cause there's aspects to this that I can definitely appreciate and respect. And, you know, cause we were talking earlier within the, the discord about some of the issues. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of people today that have a lot of difficulty with emotional intelligence in particular and dealing with their own feelings and internalizing and bottling things up and not really willing to face it. And then that leading to them taking that out on others and other people. And like, yeah, like I think it would just be good for younger generations to learn that it's okay to let stuff like that out to, you know, let out your animal, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Like absolutely. Like I it was honestly just such a really nice coming of age story. It was just so refreshing to see something like this where it's like it it was it was funny, it was emotional, it was really pretty to look at 
all the characters seem realistic like and for all the people who are like oh like kids don't do that no ki- kids act like that i 100 like, oh 100 percent exactly like people oh like kids don't do that i'm like no like when i was with my friends we would like do stuff like jump in place get super excited like we would squeal we would say oh like look at the cute boys let's watch some anime let's swoon over a boy band this is normal shit like that's what kids do it's (sighs) anyways also like I love the character arc of that random kid, uh, Ty- that Tyler kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was just a kid in the movie, uh, Bees, who started off as kind of like a shitty antagonist, like almost like a quasi-bully character. But by the end of it, he was like like close with the four girls and was like, like in their squad by the yeah. end of the movie. It was really sweet. Yeah, because he's basically no, and back to the anime comparison, he's basically the smug bully character who's like he's richer and he's wealthier, but he's he just exists to like antagonize the main cast. It, that's exactly who he is. He is exactly that archetype. Like like he is the in one person the Jesse and James to like their their like Pokemon squad. Like that that's that's what this is. And yeah. like yeah, but by the end, like yeah, he's at the concert and shit, and he he's like totally found out. And then they're just like, but I do really appreciate that they just accepted him. They're like, oh, now you're part of the squad, yeah. like you're part of the crew. You're you're you know you're a fan too. We accept you. Exactly. Uh, and we can we can fangirl together. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was such a nice like break out of the gender norm to allow like a a young teenage boy to be into a boy band. I really appreciated that. Yeah, I. The only thing I would have appreciated more is if, I don't know, I guess, you know what, in a certain sense, I can, because, you know what, because I was going to almost dock at points, because they they do kind of play it for a joke at first, which I would kind of maybe prefer that they didn't, but at the same time, I think in a way that where the the girls all, like, accept him and everything, I think that... I, I was almost going to make that comment, but I think actually that really subverts it in a way. And I think that's why I appreciated it so much because yeah. a lesser movie would have had them like basically be like, Oh, huh, isn't that funny that he's a part of that? Huh, let's yeah. mock him. Hey, this, yeah. this is our comeuppance over this guy who's been shitty to us. But instead, no, they're like, no, this is cool. Like now you're, now you can be our friend and we can all enjoy, enjoy BTS together. Exactly. Like oh, that, yeah. that, scene was setting up to them making fun of him and there was even that noticeable pause when they were taking in the fact that he was there in the mosh pit with them and they were like what you're here and then like there was that second of them staring in utter like like totally flabbergasted seeing him there and i'm like oh they're gonna like make fun of him as whatever and then they're like oh my god so amazing a good chance with us i'm like oh that was really nice. I really like that. And Bigby, they he was with them singing the chant at the end for the yeah. rich. Like he, there was that total harmony with that kid, that guy. He's with the rest of the girls singing to help with the ritual. Like that was That's really so heartwarming to see that he was like weirdly so one eighty'd and then accepted into the group. It was nice. And I like too. They did kind of set up some of that as well because like. There was I, I I I'm surprised they didn't do a little bit more with it because like the the whole thing where he basically tries to have her come over to do his birthday party because there's a whole thing in the movie where they're trying to get to the 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 concert for this like that's that's the big thing that the movie's working towards and a lot of it bees 
and the, basically what they decide to do is basically <laughs> they they basically as as may puts it they hustle out the panda uh, because they basically set up a whole thing where they're just merchandising and like letting people take pictures of May in her panda form so they can raise money to go to this concert. And, Hell yeah. and I'll say the, another thing, another Canadian cameo. We had uh, the the Canadian uh, the colored dollar bills because I kind of low key lost my shit when they first like were like, oh, do you want the pictures off? And they all pull out the money, and it's it's blurred what? out, but you can tell it is perfectly a bunch <laughs> of five dollar Canadian bills, yes. and oh, they're yeah. dumping the money in, and it's the loonies and toonies and shit. Yes. <laughs> I've it's really, such a basic thing, but I love it so um, much. They, my, my brother lost his shit when they said, oh, like, you gotta give me a loony for that, and John was like, they said loony! <laughs> they, a loony? Yeah. Okay, one other one I'll throw, because you have the CN Tower, when they're chasing off the graffiti people who are spraying painting shit at the beginning, like, towards the beginning of the movie on the temple wall, and they're, like, chasing them off, and they call one of them a hoser. I was like, yeah. like alright, you know what, I can accept this, because this this movie was made by a Canadian, and it, you have to get, you have to have one. If you're, like, a Canadian making a Canadian movie, you have to sneak a hoser in there somewhere. <laughs> and I, I can, I respect the hell out of that. Oh, God. Please, please watch this movie. It was so I, good. I was gonna say earlier, um, I unfortunately, like I said earlier, I didn't know the title from Turning Red. Uh, so when I like read you guys' messages saying I'm gonna watch it earlier, so like I really wish I googled like what Turning Red was, so I would have known it's oh it's this movie. Maybe I'll watch it too, because goddamn, this sounds like a really good movie, and I'm pissed. Yeah. Like I can't, I just can't really like talk about it in the same way you guys can. Oh man, but I definitely will watch it because like oh it just sounds like a masterpiece. I could hook you. Well, we'll start like you can watch it, and then in a following podcast, we'll talk about it again, and then it'll round two. Like it, it will be round two, and we won't the all of our one listener won't have to listen to us talk about DS. (laughs) (laughs) Um, shout out to you, listener. Um, (laughs) listener. (laughs) So I I have two things that I want to I want to kind of get towards here. Just just basically one that I, I need to throw out before the end yep. obligatory tour. Like I just, I need to get this out. Cause I've been, I meant to get it way sooner, but I, I, it just has not, I haven't had a chance and I'm making it now. My favorite, my, my favorite character in the whole goddamn movie is Jin, the father. <laughs> I, I love him because for one, I, I like to, and again, back to the anime shit, the the cooking scene when they first like show his character and he's preparing the food that shit was like and that was a cooking anime in a pixar movie (laughs) for a moment it was great that whole that whole moment was great and i love how they let they basically like mythologize how good his cooking is (laughs) but also i i really okay just as a as a very genuine moment i really really like the scene with him and may when he's basically like when he finds the video that they she made with her friends where she's doing the panda shit and he was like like you know like he's like no no like don't don't delete it like it's okay like you know you can you you know you like this this is like i liked this seeing this side of you like you seemed happy it made me laugh like that was that was a really sweet scene and i really really appreciated that i really enjoyed it but also, this man, he got absolutely savaged in this fucking movie. 
like there's so many times where he's like i mean they they, they kind of played yeah. up for gags a little bit where he's basically like whipped as all hell because um, yeah. anytime may's mom is basically like fucking like no we're doing this he's like oh yeah no i'm there and like yeah. it's it, it's sweet though like it's not like a they don't play it off like it's a bad thing it's, it's just kind of funny how he like jumps <laughs> up like this so many times but the one that fucking got me that was so goddamn brutal was when May's trying to go to um yep, 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 that's to do what the thing. yeah and she's like <laughs> she's trying to leave and her mom's like trying to go with her and she's like oh wouldn't you rather like stay home and like uh hang out with dad and he like he yeah. like is like a dog he like part like a dog who heard his name and like he just shoots up he's like huh oh oh like yeah we, we can hang out i like that and she's like no, like I'm gonna go like help you, and then he looks so dejected, so yeah, disappointed. <laughs> like, wait, he was like, "Don't you want to hang out with Dad?" Huh? And he has like literally that like emoji smile face, and when the mom's like, "No," and she and he he visibly deflates, and he's like, "Oh." Oh, okay. And like my brother and I laughed our asses off. It was like less than half a second, and it was so funny. My boyfriend was on a call with, uh, like, on Discord with some friends, like, watching a stream, and I'm just sitting over there on the couch watching this, and <laughs> I just, as soon as that happened, I straight up just yelled, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, how could you do this to my man over here? <laughs> oh my god, it, like, that was so brutal. And yeah. then... Okay, there's one other thing I wanted to get to in a second, but okay. one other thing I just remember, too, that I need to call it, which was... <laughs> My boyfriend's like the whole, one of the few like times he like engaged with the movies. He, he wasn't really watching it. It was more just me watching it. He he just he would tune in every now and then from his desk and, and occasionally make a comment. Um, but <laughs> the one that fucking slayed me was when they're at the school and they start selling the merch for the panda shit, and then the one kid walks out and she's wearing the like ears and tail and no. shit. Oh, he turned. He shut up. <laughs> Shut he, up, that's what he, he turned. He turned around and he looked at me dead in the eyes and he's like, furry normalization. I knew it! Oh, and I no. fucking lost it. I was No. I, I was like, fuck, I really can't argue. Like, see, he already made a couple jokes when she was like in the panda form. He's like, furry shit. <laughs> like, just, just meme. He's having some fun. Yeah. But it was fucking that line made me fucking lose it because yeah, some high schooler walking around with ears and a tail—that's that's definitely some furry shit. Yeah. Oh god. Um, okay, we we should wrap this up. How how long? How long do you think that was my other thing that I was going to lead to? How long do you think this episode has been so far? It's we have... been in call for like an hour and a half, so. Okay, I was gonna say, I, I didn't know if you had a timer, if you could see, because I have the timer on the the, the Audacity window, and yeah, we, we are at an hour 20. Because I was going to say, we have talked about two subjects so far on this, this episode. We have talked about Boba, that was our cold open, which didn't even go that long, even though I made comments about how long the cold open was getting. And, and, and then, then the rest of the episode was entirely just about talking about turning red boba zoos puns and then turning red but oh, I yeah did, he, he got a little mention in there i did enjoy talking about turning red so it, it was a discussion um, almost as big as may's mother it was <laughs> a very good discussion as someone who didn't see the movie i still enjoyed the discussion about it. you know what we'll skip the recommendation corner this week just go watch turning red, uh, just go watch turning red. Unless- i'm gonna follow that recommendation for sure oh 
Okay. Um, I the my my closing comment just for this episode is that one thing I am a little sour about is that I didn't know that May's hair turned orange. Um, because it was her her hair starts off black at the beginning of the movie, but after she turns into a panda for the first time, when she turns back into a human, her hair is orange. I'm a little bit sour. I didn't know about that before I watched this movie because I recently dyed my hair orange, and now I'm really worried. I'm like, wait, actually, yes, like a dark orange, and I am uh. The flies turning red, everyone. So <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know, and now I'm just walking around like a hoser. It, it it is really good that you mentioned that now that this happened before, because if not, and I saw you with the hair like that, I I actually there's a part of me that might have thought it was because you just really liked the movie, and that's what I'm worried about walking around in public. <laughs> That people will feel like, oh, she washed turning red, huh? That's <laughs> me. I I act I only dyed my hair because of a movie, not because I wanted to. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just imagine you walking around downtown and someone just leans out their car window. Where's your panda ears, nerd? Yeah, I know. Oh, oh man. Uh, <laughs> normalizing I would, furries i would go home and fall <laughs> under my bed and and draw shoujo <laughs> uh, oh boy um, there we go that's the episode title <laughs> yeah really <laughs> drawing shoujo <laughs> under my bed oh man we've all been there um <laughs> This has been episode 60 of Balcony Bander. Thanks for coming to chat with us, Fly. Yeah, thanks for turning red. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening to my turning red TED Talk. Well, welcome to our red talk. Red talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess I got to thanks to everybody for tuning in, all, all of our listener. Um, <laughs> And thanks to Zoo for uh, our intro and outro music, Blackbird Bell. Check him out on Spotify, SoundCloud, Bandcamp. He's on Twitter. We're also on Twitter at Balcony underscore Banter. I'm also on Twitter at Big Me the Wizard. I do some art sometimes. Fly. I, I, I'm also on. I, I didn't know if Bees had a Twitter. I wasn't that was him. Go, jumping uh, in. I mean, I don't. I mean, I have a personal Twitter, but like, I don't like anything on it at all I really i didn't even i didn't actually realize you had a twitter i i've never I, mentioned it before now i literally just have it for the sake of having it just because like okay you might as well have a twitter account man uh i also have a twitter uh invisible fly 21 all one word um yeah I don't uh, don't follow me for anything like substantial it's mostly shit posts I, you know what i'll say i see your stuff shows up in my feed because i do follow you mm-hmm. uh and it's it's not bad uh, I, there's some good stuff Thank um you. that's 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 my endorsement um what's the final word for this week fly baba booey <laughs> <laughs>